This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A., Bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directives. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code JavaScriptJabber, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 156 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Jameson Dance... Hello, friends. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Amy Knight. Hello. AJ O'Neill. Yo, yo, yo. Coming at you live from the wilderness of North Provo, just outside of Neaters. Oh, that is wilderness. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. This week we have a special guest. That's John Sanmez. Hey, everyone. So, Jameson, you have an announcement for this show. Do you want to share with us really quickly? Yeah, I do. I'm really excited about this. So Matt Zabriskie and I are putting on a React conference in Salt Lake City. It's called React Rally. It's going to be at the end of August, August 24th and 25th. And um, we're just starting it, so there aren't a ton of details available yet. But if you go to reactrally.com, you can put in your email address, and then we'll keep you posted by email. There's a Twitter account, and I'll spam every week on this podcast. So if you forget to sign up now, you can sign up later too. But uh, check it out. It'll be really great. We should tell people that Brendan Ike, President George W. Bush, and President Obama are all speaking at that conference. <laughs> I think you should ask <laughs> Bush and say Reagan. Uh, Reagan too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be Reagan roasting Bush. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all, all, uh, all speakers and timelines are subject to change without notice. <laughs> Reagan's schedule is finicky. He might cancel at the last minute. Yeah, he might. Do you want to introduce yourself really quick, John? Sure. So, uh, my name is John Sanmez. I run Simple Programmer at simpleprogrammer.com, and I am a life coach for software developers, which is a is kind of strange term, but what that means is that I I help software developers and and other tech people to basically live better lives through you know kind of a holistic approach in all the different areas from improving their career to improving their fitness to even improving their kind of finances and and mental game. And so uh, I kind of do all that at simpleprogrammer.com through doing blog posts and YouTube videos and a couple of courses that I sell and books uh, that I put out and and that's and, you know speaking at conferences and things like that. But yeah, that's what I do. All right. Well, I never get to talk to John, so I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So I, I get to talk to John means. every week. We, we have a mastermind group that we record as a podcast. It's called Entre Programmers. Mastermind? Yeah. You got to explain that. Like, because the only kind of mastermind I know is on cartoons <laughs> and, and James Bond movies. So, so we Same get together. Thing. We get together every week and we talk about our businesses, he and I and a couple of other developers. So we talk about our businesses, we talk about marketing, we talk about all kinds of stuff, personal stuff. We're pretty much just dedicated to helping each other make each other's lives better. Yeah, it's kind of, it It came from this book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich, the idea of the mastermind group. But basically, it's this idea of 
you know, you find a few people that are, have sort of similar uh, motivations and interests that are in business, you know, that might have different perspectives. And then you come together and, you know, he says, when there's, where there's two people, there's, there's more than two. You have a map, you've created a mastermind because you can kind of, it's, it's kind of like, you know, having the diversity of, of having different viewpoints and different people to bounce ideas off of that. If they're in the same company, if you're in business together, if you're partners, it wouldn't quite work out because you have sort of, you'd be diluted, you know, drinking the same Kool-Aid, but you've got different people that you're meeting with. And so you kind of get to know them and you get to know their businesses. And so over time, you know, you're getting real good advice and, and feedback and, and you have kind of a sounding board. Hmm. So uh, John actually has a book called Soft Skills. It was published by Manning Press. And he's got a course called Marketing Yourself as a Software Developer. And that's what we brought you on to talk about today, John, is uh, those soft skills and how to market yourself. So do you want to kind of give us an overview of what those mean and why they're important? Sure. So soft skills, really, there's a lot of different terms for what or definitions of what people call soft skills. But uh, the way I consider soft skills is anything that's not a technical skill or a hard skill. So that would be pretty much everything else that, that you might consider in life. So I think there's a lot of information out there for software developers about the sort of hard skills, right? How to how to learn various uh, JavaScript frameworks, programming languages, all that kind of um, technical training. But there's not a whole lot about soft skills. And if there is, a lot of it is just based around career, which, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with, with career advice. But I wanted to create a book that's a little bit more holistic that sort of, you know, my, my idea behind the book was, if I'm going to write a book, I want to write the book that if, you know, I could give myself 15 years ago, if I, if I could have given myself this book, this would have been the most useful thing. And so what is all the kind of, you know, experience and knowledge that, that I've kind of gained from my own experience? And then also from, I've had the, you know, the pleasure and the opportunity with speaking with a lot of successful people in both business and software development and real estate, all kinds of different fields. And so what, you know, could I, you know, kind of summarize all that knowledge and put it together into one sort of guidebook that would, would help a software developer from kind of the software developer's viewpoint. And that's really what, what soft skills is. Can I ask a dumb question? Sure. Why do you need to care about soft skills? I think there are probably some people who are in software development who got into software development because they felt like they could deal with computers instead of people. That's not everybody for sure, but I mean, does everyone need to practice and work on these things? Or, yeah, how do you talk to people who, who don't like that kind of stuff? Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. That, you know, now I get that all the time. In fact, I used to be that, right? I, I have this, I did this talk on soft skills and I have this little slide where, where it shows, uh, you know, the, what's his name from Jurassic Park? I forget his name, the programmer. You know, you know the the big, Nedry. Uh, there we go, yep. Nedry, and uh, Nedry. and you know it says under there it says uh, you know leave me alone I just want to write code, and that used to be me right I, I used to be in the I used to have this idea that okay look you know all this is nice and stuff but I don't like political games I don't like all this stuff I just want you know you should if I'm good at writing code that is what should determine my career and I should be promoted based on that and I kind of held to that for a long time until I realized that the world didn't actually work that way. That's how I wanted the world to work. And, and the reality of the situation is, you know, when you, when you look at this, like, you know, I always ask this question, I say, okay, when you get into work, right, you know, what's the very first thing that you do when you get into work in the morning? Most people is check email, right? And so, and who sends, who sends email? Does the computer send you email or do people send you email? Right. So it's well, I mean, only, only means email. <laughs> well, when the build breaks, you know, you know the email that you care about that, <laughs> right. right? But mostly people send you email, right? And then, you know, and then what do you do all day, right? You spend a lot of time in meetings, right? All of us, you know, usually spend some time in, in, in meetings. We spend a lot of time um, talking. Yeah, exactly. Talking to coworkers, right? Uh, we spend a lot of time writing code. So when we write code, though, do we write code for the computer primarily or for people, right? I mean, the way that we write code, we don't write zeros and ones. We write code, like someone who's considered a good, someone who's good at writing code is usually, usually the primary thing that we think of as a developer. Like if I look at someone's code is how readable that code is. So it's usually that the, you know, assuming it's correct, that the next thing is right, how readable. So really like what it comes down to is, is our, work as a software developer is actually our primary job is not writing code it's dealing with people and uh, you know in various forms you know some some of them indirect granted but 
in reality, like to be successful as a software developer, you have to know how to, I mean, and that's just one soft skill, right? That's just dealing with people. But I think that's where a lot of people think of, think of soft skills. And that's a really important piece. So, I sold. Right. So <laughs> okay. basically what you're saying is even the most hardcore, isolated programmer is going to have to deal with other people. Right. What, what exactly. about me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one side of the soft skills too, right? That's, that's kind of the people skills side of it. So that's, I mean, that's definitely, and that's what I think a lot of people equate soft skills to be, which, you know, I granted a lot of it is, is the people skills, but there's also other pieces of it too, right? I mean, software developers, you know, we're in an industry where we typically make a lot of money compared to, you know, it's, it's a pretty lucrative industry. So then you got, you know, finances, like, you know, there's a lot of really successful software developers that I know that did not manage their finances very well. And you would expect that someone that, you know, sort of had that level of fame would probably be well off, but they're not well off. They're in big trouble. So, you know, there's the financial aspect and then the fitness aspect too. You know, that's, that's a soft skill that's really important as well, especially, you know, we sit around all day usually in chairs hunched over computer monitors coding. So, you know, taking care of your health is, is really important as well. So there's, a, I think there's a bunch of different things that are really important besides just the, the technical ability to write code that greatly affect your life from the ability to, to manage your career, to deal with people, to the fitness and the finance side that, you know, if you have so, at least some aptitude in these other areas, it can really determine how far you can go. Whereas, you know, a lot of times we just seem to think that coding skill is, is a thing that's important. So a related question is how much of that is learned versus um, innate? I feel like I interact with lots of people and it seems like to some degree their level of interest in the soft skills determines their skill in it. And and I feel like it could be easy to look at that and say that's just how people are. They either care about them and so they practice them or they don't care about them so they don't. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, I'm not a big person who believes so much in focusing on natural strengths. I know that most of my greatest strengths today are what my greatest natural weaknesses were growing up. And and I think that there's a reason for that. I think that the things that you naturally have as strengths tend to be taken for granted. And so they don't always get developed to the same degree as the things that, that you have to work hard to build. So, yeah, so, so I think that there's some, some truth to that. So it kind of gives me, you know, it, it also, I, I think if you believe what you believe, if you believe that you're, have lack of social skills or that you're shy or that, you know, these things, those beliefs can be limiting beliefs that which will keep you exactly how you believe that you are. So, you know, a lot of actually what I do, even even in the book, is I talk about this idea of lifting those limiting beliefs and really, you know, stepping into the role that you want to be and not allowing what other people have defined you to be to uh, to set your limits, to you set your own limits and you can choose your destiny and your, and your path. And so I think while, yes, we can look at people and say, yeah, this person is socially awkward or, you know, doesn't doesn't quite have the poise or the social skills, I don't think that's, you know, I think that could be overcome for most people, you know. I'm definitely with you on all that. I think you have to step outside your comfort zone and practice that kind of stuff. I mean, some people will just be good by nature, but you need to practice it. Yeah, I used to be an extremely shy child growing up. My my dad used to joke and say that he I wouldn't even make a doctor's appointment. Like he'd, I wouldn't talk to someone on the phone because I was too shy to talk to someone on the phone. And now I have no problem cold calling someone and, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like my whole job is to be vocal and in the public now. And so it was something that I had to overcome. But I mean, you know, if you looked at me, you would have never, you know, as a child, you would have said, oh, yeah, John would never be make YouTube videos or be on a podcast or, or do anything like that or speak in front of a crowd. I have a question. I'd be curious to know how many people, like, seek you out for, like, promotions? I you know, I feel like like to become a manager is a lot of people like that's just the next step. I don't know how many people actually want to be promoted to that kind of role, but for that kind of role, like a developer, most of them just don't have any kind of training on that. So like the stuff that you teach would be really valuable in that regard, I think. Right. So so you're saying like if you want to go down the, the management road. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, you really need those social skills for that kind of role. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's. You know, I think that's definitely true in the manager role, right? You're dealing with more people and you're dealing more at the, at the higher level. 
You know, and I think there's multiple paths, right? Developers can go down a, um, a technical road, but they can also go down the management road. But certainly, if you're going to go down the management road, you have to have these outside skills besides just just the coding. It's what's that? Is it the Peter Principle where you know someone gets hired up to their level of incompetence? Yeah, you get promoted to the level of your incompetence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And part of the reason because of that. So is here I am on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've made it. I was going to say, I've, I've had lots of managers who were who had no social skills. <laughs> yeah, that that seems... So, like, in the boot camp that I was at, there were a couple guys who, uh, you know, we did so many pairing projects and group projects, and there were just some who would, like, go off in the corner and not want to interact at all, and that just did not work well with what we were trying to do. In fact, I think one person was asked to leave because of it, so... Oh, well. Yeah, I, I think we all have different backgrounds too, and so some people, it's some of the stuff is just going to come more naturally than others. I yeah. also believe that certain areas of soft skills, not all by any means, but certain areas of soft skills, just being aware is all it really takes, and then you understand how to deal with certain situations. So just you know, John talked about lifestyle decisions or money decisions. I mean, just knowing that certain things are an option a lot of times will help you with those. But then the others, you know, the persuasion skills and the the interpersonal skills. I mean, yeah, a lot of those have to be developed by practicing and by doing things that are sometimes painful, you know, in dealing with other people and getting to know them. Yeah, and I, I don't want I don't make I don't want to make it seem like the pursuit of soft skills is like this painful process where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, d- d- get this book and then it'll just be a bunch of pain and make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> Because it's not, you know, I think there's there's a lot of, you know, things like just just managing your career, just just ideas around, you know, thinking about your career actively, right? Like this isn't necessarily dealing with people, but it's it's like, you know, what what is your goal? What what are you trying to achieve? Like, and what type of developer do you want to be? Do you want to be a career developer working for someone else, or maybe you want to go and become a freelancer, or maybe you want to become an entrepreneur? Like these are different paths, and how do you get to these paths? Because no one really answers these questions, right? I mean, I think a lot of people. This is where a lot of the content from the book came from. These other type of soft skills type of things where, you know, how do you write a resume? Like, you know, should you have someone write your resume? Things like that. You know, if you wanted to create a product, how would you do that? You know, how, how do you get through an interview process? And, and then, you know, get into the whole marketing yourself as a software developer, why that's valuable and why it's important, why building a name and a reputation and a personal brand can actually make it so that you know, employers come to you and offer you jobs or, or you can become a freelancer and not have to go out and put your ads on Craigslist because you'll have clients coming to you that will be asking you to do the jobs. So you've kind of segued into marketing yourself. I, I know, I know, I know a few of you just threw up in your mouth. It's okay. Uh, we're not talking about marketing the way you're thinking it. Do you want to kind of explain that, John? Sure. Yeah. So, so, you know, I know marketing has a bad name, right? A bad rap in the in the software development community, right? That you think of like Viagra pills being advertised to you by spam email. <laughs> but that's not necessarily what marketing has to be. I mean, marketing at its core is really just connecting someone who has a need uh, with a product that fulfills that need. That's the goal of marketing, right? Successful marketing is if you didn't have marketing... I wouldn't know what to do when I have a headache. I wouldn't know to take an aspirin or Tylenol, right? Like, I need to be informed of this, uh, of the solution to my problem. So at its core, good marketing is good. It's, it's, a, it's a beneficial thing. You know, the, the way that I kind of define marketing, like for software developers, and, and the way that I mean marketing is, is this kind of golden rule that I use, which is, you know, give away 90% of what you do for free and charge for 10% of it. You create marketing by creating value for others. And this is really the where I emphasize the marketing for software developers. It's this idea that, you know, you go out and you create blog posts or you produce videos or you go and you speak at conferences or be, or you create podcasts or be on podcasts where you're giving people free value. And that is what you're using to build a reputation and name for yourself. And almost all that you're doing is free. And that value is what spreads your name and spreads your, your message so that now you can earn from that value. But yeah, that's, that's really the core at, at the message. How do you do that, right? How do you go out and create a name and a brand that's going to give you some kind of benefit in your career? So this is something that I really go back and forth on because I feel really bad about seeming spammy. And I have this weird feeling that I can't ever promote myself or it's you're, you're kind of being prideful and bragging and that people hate it and get annoyed at it. 
See, so usually I just tweet your... puppies and stuff because because everybody likes those, and you're not promoting yourself; you're just sharing joy. I think there is a lot of resistance to that. I mean, when I first got into you know in, into this kind of thing, I, I was very resistant to it. Right? There's you know you're you're kind of resistant to sell. Especially, you know, like I sell my product on on how to market yourself, right? And at first, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to write a long form sales page; those things look scammy and, and whatever." Um, but you know, I get back emails, you know, just about every day now from someone saying, "Wow, you know, I like the money I spent on your course, you know, was such such a huge value to me. You know, I got such good benefits from this thing." And so, what I you know came to realize is that you have to do this if you want to re- like if you have a good product, right? If you have something to offer someone. And if you're giving that offer in a strong way, right? If you're, if you're being somewhat aggressive in that offer, you're trying to help someone. And as long as you're providing value. Now, if you're doing something that's, that's shady, if, if you're trying to sell, you know, some vaporware or something that is not what's on the label, right? It, it's, it's other than what, what you're advertising. Then yeah, then I totally agree with you. But if you're selling something, you know, in, in the way that I, I try to gauge my products and the things that I sell is I want to provide at least 10x value to you. Like I want you to buy a thing from me and say, wow, I would have paid 10 times the price. The value I got from this is 10 times what, you know, what I paid for it. And when I have that in mind, I don't have any problem being aggressive with, with trying to sell what I am selling, especially, you know, when I'm giving away 90% of what I do for free. It's like, for, for me personally, like to, to overcome it, overcome that objection, it's, you know, I have my blog at simpleprogrammer.com and I put out a blog post every week and I put out three YouTube videos every week and I put out two podcasts every week and I put out, a, you know, a newsletter that I write out that, you know, with, with a lot of valuable information every, every single week I produce all this stuff for free. And so to ask for something back, right? Or to promote that the free value I'm giving, I have no qualms with doing that because I know that I'm giving something of value to someone. Yeah, the way that I think about it too is that, you know, if you're writing articles just because you want to throw in as many buzzwords as you can, you're not adding value. And, you know, John explained that, you know, fairly well, that you're out there to provide value. But the other thing is, is that if you really think about it, the things that you're going to find value on, they don't have to be these big, long, awesome blog posts that explain the state of the universe. All they really have to do, I mean, I've written blog posts that were, uh, I got this error, and here's how I fixed it, you know, and it's like maybe 50 words total. And, you know, those get a ton of traffic because people were hitting those blog posts and finding those answers. Or if I found a novel way of organizing a particular bit of code, then I'd write a, a blog post on it because I think that, you know, other people can find that valuable if they're facing some of the same issues that I'm facing in my application. And so if you look at all of these different options, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be writing blog posts that are going to get you into Hacker News. You should be writing blog posts that have a lot of value. And then when they get to Hacker News, then the people who find that stuff valuable are the people who are going to upvote it. I love the, uh, you know, the saying that so many people have about, you know, you write the blog post for your future self, which I've done countless times. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also, you know, there, there's this, this idea that the value that you, you well, I, I guess I could, I could put it this way. Do you have like a particular author maybe that you follow or, I don't know, maybe something that you subscribe to or, or something that you just can't wait to get the, you know, the, the next, the next series in the book or the next, you know, whatever it is, right. You know, or video game and, or, or movie, you know, whatever it is like, you know, there, I've had several of these. I have several of them now where it's like, I would love, you know, if my inbox shows up and I'm producing a new version of this book, you know, the, the next episode or whatever, I would love to get that advertisement I, because I'm excited about it. Or even blogs that I follow, right? Like um, one in particular, Neil Patel, he has a real good real good series of, of blog posts and articles that he puts out. And whenever his email shows up in my inbox, I'm excited. It's an ad, right? I mean, it's advertisement for him, but I love it because I'm I'm sold on the thing. So, so I think one thing to, to realize is that there's a lot of, Sometimes it feels like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to promote this thing, but there's a lot of people out there on the other end that are like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that this thing has come out. I mean, I'm sure listeners to the show, right? They're like, you know, if you didn't promote the show, you could say, well, you know, JavaScript jobber, if I promote the show, then, then I'll, I might, I might feel like I'm, I'm kind of pushing something that I'm creating. But hey, there's a lot of people that, that enjoy listening to the show and, and, and to the and want to know when there's a new episode and, and want to hear about podcasts, you know, about JavaScript. 
Heck yeah, I love this stuff. <laughs> well, and how many times do we do a pick for a book that somebody's written or things like that, you know, a course? I think I've picked some of John's stuff on this show before. And it's not necessarily because I'm trying to shill for John. It's because I think that it's particularly relevant and applicable to people who are listening to the show. I have an article on how to post to Twitter in Node. And I, a couple times a month, get a tweet from that demo because when people run the demo, it tweets to me. Um, And that's kind of been really validating because that's one article that I have on how to do one thing. And I have probably a hundred articles on how to do technical stuff. And I only get notified when one person, you know, finds that one particular article helpful. But every time that tweet comes in, I'll go through my list of blog posts and find something that I think is kind of relevant this week and retweet it again because that other tweet reminds me to do it. People like me are very thankful for all that stuff. So thank you guys. (laughs) As we're learning and Googling and we come across things, very, very helpful. So being humble enough to post things that you think might be silly, extremely grateful for that. Well, this is the thing, right? Is people like, well, I don't have time to write blog posts or, you know, the idea of sitting down and writing something just, ugh. Well, then record a YouTube video, do a screencast. Do a podcast. Go on Stack Overflow and answer a bunch of questions. I mean, there are so many ways to help out and give to the community. And at the same time, you're also essentially building your reputation. So then, you know, you can go speak at conferences and things like that. And I think a lot of people get into their heads that it's kind of self-serving to go and promote themselves, so to speak, by speaking at conferences. But if you've got something worthwhile to say, I mean, how many speakers are you grateful to that showed up and, and gave a talk? You know, so was it them being self-focused or did they put out money to go out and share their knowledge with you? So, I mean, if you really look at it, a lot of these things could be construed as marketing, but what it really boils down to is, yes, you get some benefit from it, but so does everybody else. And I like what you said earlier about it's documentation for you too. Like a lot of times when I write my blog articles, I'm actually not writing them to other people. I'm breaking it down step by step because I know in six months when I have to do this again and it's the only other time I have to do this thing, I am not going to remember at all how to do it. And a little quick jot won't do it, won't, won't inform me how to get back to it. I've done that so many times. I think I've gone back to the same post I've written like four or five times because even if it's just like something like a technical command or something that I would never remember. One way I think about it, too, is, you know, there's this mindset shift, I think, between I like to tell developers to think to, of themselves as a business, because in reality, we all are, you know, we're running businesses. If we even if we just have one customer, which is our employer, you can still think of yourself in a business and, and I th- as a business. And I think it's an important mindset shift that really changes things around. I mean, imagine if you're a business and you said, well, I, d- I really don't want to advertise or promote myself in any way. Because, you know, I, I would just feel bad about doing that. Well, you're going to go out of business really quick. But as software developers, we, we tend to kind of do that, right? We're, we're like, we, we shy away from it. And we don't, because we're not really thinking of ourselves as a business. And, you know, a business has to provide a value, you know, and, and what is the value that you can provide to the world? You know, we all have different sets of skills. We all have different perspectives on life and, and on our, you know, and on what we do. And we all have, you know, some value to provide. And so, you know, if you, if you kind of think about the things that a business needs to do and think of yourself that way, then I think it becomes a little bit easier because it's not really that you're bragging. It's not that you're, you know, trying to say, look how great I am, or they're trying to build fame for the, for the purpose of building fame. You know, the reality of the situation is that if you, as you market yourself, as you are able to promote, uh, you know, the product, the, the service that you're offering, it opens up the doors and, and expands your opportunities. And, and if you really, you know, a lot of developers, I think, hit this, this glass ceiling in their career where they can't make any more money. And they can't grow beyond this, this point. And this is the, this is the way out, right? So you can quickly become a senior software developer or senior software engineer, whatever it is, within probably within five to 10 years, I think. And then you kind of hit this pay cap. You can't make any more money because you're kind of already at the top of the pay scale. So then how do you make more? How do you get beyond that? And this is really the only answer is you have to then step into this. So if you do this from the beginning, if you if you learn how to market yourself in a tasteful way, like I said, where you're providing value to others, then you get past that. Then by the time that you hit that glass ceiling, you've got other opportunities. You've got other ways to make money. You've got incredible opportunities that you wouldn't be able to get just by advancing your career. 
So, if now's a good time, uh, can we talk about the get up and code stuff, the fitness stuff, the lifestyle stuff? Sure. I'm not sure if everyone else is familiar about that. I know I am because I'm super excited about working out, but maybe you can talk a little bit about what you do there. Amy was actually just on Get Up and Code. I think the episode will probably come out around the same time this one does. But yeah, I, I created a podcast for developers called Get Up and Code that's uh, fitness and nutrition. And that podcast is basically just around the idea of, of helping developers, just encouraging healthy lifestyle and being active and losing weight if that's what, what you need to do. And so I think that's an important aspect to remember as well. That's uh, really important to, because it, it affects a lot of your life, right? Like, you know, if you think about it, being healthy really affects a lot of the way, not only that you are able to, the energy levels that you have, but also just the way that you think about yourself and relate to others. Uh, one of the major surprising things, emails that I get about the show a lot of times is uh, emails about confidence that's increased and how getting in shape to some degree has resulted in increased confidence and how much that's affected career-wise uh, because it makes a huge difference on what you perceive of yourself and how you view yourself it really influences how others perceive you and that makes a difference between promotions and not getting promotions or not or you know get going to a job interview and doing well at it yeah i have to say that uh when i was on get up and code i basically just whined about how you know how i wanted to get into shape and there was a lot of advice that John gave about that. And, I mean, we're all at a different place, right? Amy was a competitive athlete. John is in pretty good shape. Just watch one of the videos from Entreprogrammers. You'll see what I'm talking about. Because he always comes on after his workout. And so he's, you know, he's wearing a tank top and he's he's all muscled up and stuff. And so, you know, and I'm perpetually starting to get into shape. Um, <laughs> but I, I think we're all in a different place. And we need those kinds of encouragement, right? Where we hear you know, how important it is and, and how good it makes people feel and things like that. And, uh, you know, we all get in, encouraged in different ways too. So if that doesn't get you encouraged, then find something that does. But our work life and our and the rest of our life are connected no matter how we look at it. And so if you're not healthy or if you don't feel good about yourself, that's going to carry over into work. If you have a bad work day, it's going to carry over back home. And so whatever we can do to make our lives over, uh, overall better is going to pass through to the other areas of our lives and will benefit all around by doing it. And I think that's what Get Up and Code, at least when I listen to it, that's mostly what I hear from it. And, you know, I think it's an important message. Yeah, yeah. It all comes back to that holistic. Like I said, I, I've got a very holistic view. I, I think that if you want to really help someone, you've got to, you've got to help them in all the areas. Like you, you got to have this balance. I hate to use the word balance, but it, it's more like it's just it's just having focus on these other things besides just having the technical skills. You know, it, it's it's also your health, it's also your finances, it's also the people skills, it's also these other things. You know, and even your mental state of you know how do you think about things in in your confidence level and what do you believe? Like, do you have confidence in your beliefs and and do you see yourself empowered as someone who can accomplish the great things? So yeah, so I think there's just a, there's a whole this whole other area and, and world to, you know, we're all humans, right? We all have the same kind of, you know, problems and we have a common thread that we look through the world through this, this same lens uh, as, as a software developer or someone who's in, in technology. So we, we see things kind of, we have maybe some similar type of problems and, and we see problems from a similar perspective and, and some of the solutions are, are similar as well. I'd like to think that this stuff is also like pretty important in preventing burnout. I know personally, I kind of like try to think that I'm immune to that, that it's never going to hit me. <laughs> but I've been warned many times, so I try to keep on track with all this kind of stuff. I think I have experienced some burnout. It has been crazy bad, but physical activity helped a lot with it. I wonder if the solution is different for different people, but for me at least, I just feel a lot better about life, and it's a really good way to turn off my brain. So I'm not always worried about um, some function that is broken or I don't know. I feel like downtime can just be worry time if I'm not exercising well. That makes sense. So what I do probably isn't healthy, and I think I should probably take Janison's approach, but with burnout, I tend to just work a lot for a long period of time, and then I won't do anything for like a month except for read books and play video games and take walks. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> I, I should adopt that. It, it, it's funny, you know, I actually have a whole chapter in soft skills where I talk about burnout. 
And my solution is not popular because, well, don't get me wrong. I think there's a medical burnout, right? I think there, it's possible to be like really burnt out. But I think a lot of times when we experience burnout, it's not really burnout, in, especially in, in self-development. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of equate it to the idea, like if you want to become good at playing guitar, right? There's a lot of people, like you hit a wall, right? Eventually, you know, I've picked up guitar multiple times and, you know, your fingers hurt. You get to this point where it's no longer fun. You, you, you're super psyched, you know, when you got that new guitar and you're going to learn how to play like Jimi Hendrix. And then you realize that it was actually like, you know, at first you're having fun playing around with it, but your motivation starts to go down. And then, you know, the, the results are starting. At first you make huge gains and then pretty soon that's just trailing off. And so you come to this decision where you hit this wall and you could say, you know, at this point you could say you're burned out of guitar, but most people stop there. But people who get good at guitar and people who become great at guitar, they push through the wall and they get to the other side. They, they find it in themselves. They can go without motivation. And I think that's, you know, one of the key things to be successful in anything. And I think a lot of, you know, again, I'm not saying medically burned out. I'm not saying that never take a break or vacation. But I think a lot of developers, especially beginning developers that never like reach that level where they want to reach, they don't realize that they're going to hit a wall. And that they're going to have to push through that wall because that's where there's less competition. Fewer people make it through the wall. And so you kind of have to develop some skills in life to be able to be productive and to keep going when motivation is zero. And a lot of that comes around the idea of building routines and habits and having this bigger picture in mind and understanding that, you know, we all go through this. We all have these mental blocks and we all hit these points in life and whatever we're trying to do, any you know, greatness re requires some sacrifice and commitment. And so, you know, I think there's not to say again, that no one ever should take breaks or that sometimes there's a medical, you know, burnout. But in a lot of cases, you know, a lot of developers I talk to that I do coaching for, it, the, the answer is really just just push, just push a little harder and get through it. Because we actually, you know, on the other side of the wall as well, there's new motivation returns. Like, you know, just taking the guitar example, when I finally did push through and go through and practice my scales and uh, and just put myself on a routine of practicing guitar, I started to have fun again once I got good, right? And, you know, and I think if you've mastered anything, you've experienced this where you've pushed through the wall, you make it through, and then all of a sudden results start to climb again motivation levels start to climb again um, until you hit that next wall right the next level but a lot of people don't realize that there is something on the other end of that wall they feel like life is just you know it's just despair and they no longer want to write code ever again and they 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 just want to go live in the woods in a cabin and and, and never never see a compiler be a IE. exactly <laughs> yeah i've actually so. talked about this a lot with merrick and it's a really interesting idea because i mean few careers have the flexibility to just not do your job like software developers do. You can just like come in. I mean, at some places, some places don't allow this much flexibility, but the flexible hours, the flexible vacation policies mean if you don't feel like working, oftentimes it's a lot easier to not work than if you had like an hourly wage job or, or a manufacturing job or any other kinds of jobs. So I think that idea is really interesting that you propose that the solution isn't take advantage of that to rest up, but just find new ways to motivate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, you know, in my career, I've seen it in just personally myself too, multiple times where it's like, I've hit this, these walls and then I, luckily I've had like good routine. I mean, heck writing a book, right. That's a perfect example. When I was writing soft skills, right. When the, when the publisher is like, Oh, we're going to commission you to write this book. I was like, yes, I get to write my book. This is awesome. And so I sat down for the first three days and I just pounded out, you know, words on the, and I got like the first three chapters done, fourth chapter. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, writing sucks. <laughs> I, I hate writing this book. This book is now the new thing that I hate in my life, but I had to push myself through it, right? Like I had to get you know, and then as I start to wrap it up and get to the end of it, you know, that's what it takes. Like I got, you end up having, if you don't develop that skill in life, you end up with this closet full of half finished products or projects, right? You know, you have the yellow belt in there from when you did karate and you never mastered that and you got the guitar and you got, you know, whatever it else is it, you know, all those other projects or, or you got those half created apps, right? That you never finished. So you never made any money. You wanted to put in the app store. You had this dream of creating a software as a service app, right? 
And so getting that grit to push through and realizing that everyone hits this and everyone has these same exact problems, I think that's an important thing just in general to learn that you know, I wish I would have learned it earlier in, in my career. I wish someone would have slapped me in the, in the, you know, across the forehead and said, Hey, you, you know, <laughs> you got to work really, really hard and push past the point of breaking if you really want to be successful at things and, and, and see them through to completion sometimes. This so much reminds me of the book, Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Where you hit yeah. the resistance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great book. That book in, uh, in the War of Art. I picture uh, Nick Saban, football coach, screaming discipline <laughs> at his football players. And that's another parallel from this, the athletic side. Uh, when, we're, uh, when I was talking to Amy, when we were on Get Up and Coach, it's the idea that a lot, a lot of athletes are familiar with this, right? Because in order to become yep. great, you have to push through, even when you don't feel like getting up for practice. I can uh, remember <laughs> my parents now, like I always wanted to skate, but they would like tell me, we don't care what your coach tells you to do, you do it. If your coach tells you to stand on your head on the ice, you're going to stand on your head on the ice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd so like to it, see that. <laughs> yeah, that, luckily they never asked me to do that. In the absence of Nick Saban yelling discipline at you, <laughs> what what do you do in these situations where you know what you should be doing or what you what to do and you just don't do it? Like are there is there anything besides suck it up and do it to help people <laughs> I, in that situation? It, I, that, well, I, to me that's yeah. I've never read do the work and I imagine the book do the work is just one page that has one t- one sentence that says do the work cuz like <laughs> you you know that already, right? But maybe just reading it helps. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right on. I think the very, the first thing is understanding that this is a problem that all humans face, that any time that you want to go from a lower plane of existence to a higher plane, you know, that you want to do the higher calling, the better thing, the thing that makes you grow as a person or as a human being, resistance comes in the way and that there's going to be, it's going to be hard and you're going to feel like not doing it. And, and motivation is not the, your guiding light, right? A, a lot of people follow this philosophy of, you know, of, of doing, I need to find my passion and do what I'm passionate about. And the thing is, do the work and the passion will come from the work. Like pick a thing and you'll become passionate when you become good at that thing or when you follow through and complete a thing. So I think the first point is, is just to have the perspective, right? If you understand that everyone faces this problem, if you understand that this is a common thing and that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that if you break through the wall, if you get past the wall, then you're going to have uh, there's rewards. There's a pot of gold on the other side of the wall. If you understand that it's good to run up uh, really rocky terrain to, to to climb the highest mountain because there's less competition at the top because it's it's sparse there, then that's that's a good thing. Is you if when you understand that. The second thing I say is once you have that perspective, is then to have a system in place, a routine, right? To be able to build habits and to be able to go without motivation. Because once you understand the purpose that, yes, there's a reason why I'm doing this, there's a reason why I'm practicing every day, there's a reason why I'm going through this pain, then you need some way to do that. And that's, for me, I found that the best way to do that is to build systems and habits. So I have a routine, right? I have a very... Form. I, I work for myself and I, I don't have to have a routine, but I do, right? Because I know that by having a routine and by building habits and having quotas that I need to accomplish, I don't have to make decisions all the time, right? If I know exactly what I'm going to eat, if I know exactly what I'm going to work on and what my, my schedule is, then I don't have to make judgment calls where I have the chance of making the bad decision or going with my, you know, my lack of motivation. So even though I don't feel like, you know, writing a blog post every week, I do it, right? I, I, I just say, okay, today is the day. I have to get this done. This work must be done. You know, I have it in a system. I have a routine. It's become a habit and I have a picture of this bigger goal. I know that writing 52, writing one blog post a week doesn't matter. But writing 52 a year makes a big difference. That makes a huge difference on my career. And so, you know, it's just having that perspective and then having some method of executing so that you don't have to rely on. If every day, you know, you know, to take it back to the fitness side, right? I get up and I go to the gym three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I run for 10K every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. It's my routine. I don't miss it. Like I do not miss it unless there, it's like completely unavoidable. But if every morning I got up in the morning and I had to ask myself, hey, do I feel like going to the gym today? 
I would quickly, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be motivated every day. Some days I'd be motivated to go to the gym or go for a run, but a lot of days I wouldn't. And uh, especially if I was going through a difficult period or I had a lot of work, I would I would make the bad decision, and so I wouldn't gain the, the benefit. But by making a routine, by making it a habit, I've taken away the choice. So now there's not a choice. When I wake up in the morning and it's Tuesday, I'm going to go for a run. I don't have to make that choice. So I don't have the chance of making a mistake. I do, it doesn't require motivation at that at the point. There's another trick to getting up and working out in the morning. If you get out of bed and you get to the gym or start running before you actually wake up, you won't realize you're exercising. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I know that some of us have a hard stop, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call the show here and uh, we can do some picks. Before we do, though, John, do you kind of want to run people down? You know where they can find you and what some of your offerings are for people who are interested in this stuff? Oh, sure, yeah. So we, we went down a, a little interesting conversations today, but um, but I want to uh, to, to still offer uh, a couple of things to your audience. Uh, one is if you're interested in learning how to market yourself. We didn't talk too much about it, but if you want to... Uh, to really learn how to build a personal brand for yourself and how to, you know, get out there and get on podcasts and, you know, write books or magazine or, you know, and, and get out there and, and build a name and reputation and the value of that, you can go to devcareerboost.com and I'll give a hundred dollar off coupon to everyone who's, who's listening to this podcast. You can use JSJabber as the code there and you, JSJabber and you'll get a hundred dollars off at devcareerboost.com. And then also, I, I'll give away for anyone who comments on this episode. If you, if you comment on the episode, I was trying to think of, of some kind of action. I, I'm an action-oriented guy. So what is the action that you're going to take after listening to this episode? Like, what, what has this motivated you to do, perhaps, in your life or in your career to, to better yourself? If you, if you write a comment, we'll randomly pick, like, uh, I don't know, how about two copies of, of Soft Skills book? I'll, I'll sign it. I will ship it to you personally. Sounds great. Awesome. I'm also going to personally recommend your blogging course, which is pretty awesome. How do you get to that? If you go to, actually, if you just go to simpleprogrammer.com, a bunch of pop-ups like will come out of nowhere, and then it'll ask for your email address. <laughs> That's probably the easiest way. Oh, there you go. Uh, just slides yeah. up from the bottom of the site or something. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bunch of opt-ins on the, on the page. So, All right, cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and do picks. Uh, Jameson, do you want to start us off with picks? I surely do. So I have a bunch saved up because I wasn't on the show last week. The first is the Hacker School Hacker Retreat. I don't know. They changed their name to the Recurse Center. It's a three-month, I think it's three months retreat for programmers of all skill levels. It's not a boot camp. It's just a place to go to kind of build things that you're interested in. Kind of like the academic lifestyle without going to a university where you just live the life of the mind. They have this blog called, or this newsletter called Code Words. That's so good. Oh wow. They've had two ep issues come out, not episodes. And they're both really awesome. The people that go to the Recurse Center are, are generally very smart and they usually write while they're there. So they collect their writings into these newsletters. Uh, so that's my first pick. My second pick, there's a game called Daisy, which is terrifying and entertaining at the same time. It's a multiplayer game where there's just 50 or so people in this persistent shared world that zombies inhabit too. Uh, and there's not a lot of limits on the interactions players can have with each other. So people being people on the internet do horrible things. They'll like kidnap people in the game and stuff. And in this incident that's recorded on video, they kidnap this guy, they steal all his stuff, and then they force him to perform a song or they're going to kill him. And he's just like, okay. And he reaches over and pulls out his guitar and just busts out this amazing performance of, of a beautiful song. And they all start kind of dancing and singing along in the game. It's pretty great. It's a moment of brightness in, in the dark awfulness of the internet. Uh, my third pick is a webcomic called Demon. It's kind of dark, but it's also really fascinating. Uh, it's about a guy who, when he dies, his kind of soul gets transferred to the body of the person nearest to him. And that's about all the plot I'll give away. But it's it's really involved and it's pretty well written. Uh, and my last pick is an album called Leviathan by a band called Mastodon. This is the opposite of metal electronic music. This is like screaming Viking metal. 
I've been doing a lot of DevOps lately, and when I tweak Jenkins, it just like harms my soul. I get so sad. I hate that stuff so much. And Leviathan by Mastodon is the album I play to get through the pain. So <laughs> those are my picks. All right, Joe, do you want us? You want to give us some picks? You betcha. So lately, I've gotten into a jigsaw puzzle craze. Been doing a lot of puzzles with my wife while we watch TV shows. And I've discovered this one particular artist that has a lot of jigsaw puzzles made out of his artwork that's really fun to put together. His name is, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Jan Van Hasteren. And so I'll put his name, it's like J-A-N Van Hasteren. You can pick up his puzzles on Amazon for a pretty reasonable price. They're funny, they're done with drawn with a really kind of funny art style about a whole bunch of lots of different people doing crazy things with crazy things going on in these crazy scenes. And they're just fun to put together. So that'll be my first pick is Jan Van Hasteren, his puzzles. And then my second and final pick is a new game I played for the first time this last week, which was called Hobbit Tales, which is a storytelling game, which was super fun. I've played it a couple of times already, had fun every time. And it's a kind of like a board game, but you, uh, have a whole bunch of cards in your hand, and in each card you have to lay it down and then tell a story. You're a hobbit that's sitting with your friends, drinking at the local tavern, telling stories about your adventures as a hobbit, as you know, similar to the books that we all know and love, or movies if you're not much of a reader. And so it's, you're telling stories, and then you have these cards that are, have to be the elements of the stories. You have to organize these cards and lay them down to, as you tell your story. Meanwhile, the other people that are playing with you each have cards that are hazards that they can throw in at various times to try to get you off track and mess up your story. So they might throw a cave troll into your story or an orc into your story, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really fun, fun game to play, fun way to be social. If you, even if you don't have much creativity, it, the cards help you be creative. So that'll be my last pick is the, the game Hobbit Tales. Cool. Amy, do you have some picks for us? I do. So the first one I'm going to pick is a GitHub repo um, with just a ton of different resources for learning Angular. Um, I have a lot of like friends who, because they know that I work on that, have asked me what I've used to learn. And so this repo has like just every kind of tutorial, video, blog post imaginable. So it's really good. And then the other one, because we talked about Get Up and Code, I wanted to pick something for fitness, um, not programming related. They're these inserts for your shoes. They're called Super Feet, and they are absolutely amazing. So I guess even if you don't run, if you do any sort of walking, these insoles, I swear, are amazing. They're like 50 bucks. I think you can order them on Amazon, but I recommend them for anyone. They're awesome. So that's it. All right. AJ, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I do. I have a good one this week. Uh, good Mythical Morning. I don't think I've picked that before. So there's these comedians, Rhett and Link. Um, they have done stuff together with other YouTube personalities like Jillian Smith. They're very clean, and they have a show that they put on every morning. So there's like hundreds of them, and you could never watch them all. It's called Good Mythical Morning. And it's just fun. It's just, you know, if you uh, are having your coffee or whatever it is that gets you up in the morning and just need something to listen to to help start your day, I'd recommend Good Mythical Morning. All right. I've got a couple of picks. The first one is The Magic of Thinking Big. It's by, I think its name's Michael Schwartz. I don't have it in front of me right at the moment. David Schwartz. I do have it in front of me now. And I've been enjoying that. It's just a, a really good encouragement on kind of, Picking bigger, more important, more audacious goals, and then all of the different things that you can use to either get yourself to the point where you are more likely to achieve those things, and uh, some of the obstacles that are going to come up that you can, uh, and then some techniques for getting around them. And it, it's it's terrific. I'm listening to it on Audible. It's about I think it's about four hours long, and uh, it's kind of one of those motivational speaker on tape things that you'd get from the '90s. And so it has all the the chimes and weird, funny sounds, but it is awesome. And I, I really have been enjoying it. Uh, the content is terrific. Uh, the other pick I have, I think I picked Steelheart before. I'm now in the middle of reading Firefight or listening to Firefight. 
which is the sequel to that, and it's a terrific book. So Firefight by Brandon Sanderson, the Reckoner series, terrific books. And I'll probably have a whole bunch more. I'm not going to be on the next two episodes because I'm going to uh, MicroConf. I'll actually see John there. And then I'm going to be going to RailsConf. So when this comes out, I will still be in Las Vegas because it'll be Wednesday. So you'll have to tweet me and just, you know, if you're in Vegas, just let me know that you want to grab lunch or something. I'll probably stay and hang out through lunch and then I'm going to come home. So uh, just, you know, it's it's not a hard and fast thing since I'm driving. So I, you know, it's not like I have to be to the airport. So I do have some flexibility there, but if you want to meet up with me, tweet me and let me know. And for RailsConf, um, if you're going to be there, then same thing, you know, just tweet me and let me know that you want to meet up and we'll make it happen. I also have stickers for all the shows. So if you want some of those, you got to find me in person and I'll be happy to give you one, two or five or however many you want. So uh, one for each show, I mean, but yeah, anyway, so those are my picks. John, what are your picks? Let's see. So uh, I'm, I think my first pick will be Streak. It's uh, I've been using this software for like Gmail plugin called Boomerang, and I finally paid for it. And then uh, a buddy of mine, Josh Earl, told me about Streak, and it's basically free and better. <laughs> so so what it does is it's it's like CRM inside Gmail, but it's at a very basic level. It can just you can just have messages come back to you if no one replies in one week or two week. You know, so or you know, whatever. So that at the, for that feature alone, it's well worth it. Plus, you can put all kinds of pipelines in there and, and and stuff like. But just having that is extremely valuable. If you, you know, I, I'm a incessant follow upper, so like I just I follow up on everything. So as soon as I email someone, I instantly you know will have that email come back to me in a week if if I haven't heard a reply from them. So this makes it automated. So I used to put this all in my calendar and that was just a pain in the butt like so this is really valuable uh let's see and then so the other picks i'd have is a book uh that i'm listening to or actually a book i read this last week called the e-myth revisited why most small businesses fail that's by uh, michael gerber Uh, i thought this was really really good book just about uh, about about if you have any interest in a small business or you know building your own business on how to do it the right way and uh, it had a lot of valuable information in there that I'm implementing in in my business another really good book that I read this week was uh influence and this is a a book by a professor from ASU a psychology professor Robert uh, Caldini and it is about basically like it says influence but it, it's specifically about a lot of the things that kind of the automatic influence mechanisms that that we don't even realize that we respond to some really interesting concepts in there like the fact that if you ask someone to do something and then they make a small commitment they're much more likely to make a bigger commitment to to be in line with what what they had originally done so there's there's just a lot of psychology in there that if you're you know, just for for both if you're trying to sell things to understand how how psychology works, but also to protect yourself from unscrupulous salespeople as well, who might try to use some of these con tactics uh, that you might not even realize. So yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely a good book. I'd, I'd highly recommend. And then uh, and I'll throw one last one in there since uh, since Chuck you mentioned do the work. Um, I think uh, do the work is great. I think that uh, the War of Art is uh, probably Stephen Pressfield's at least the book he wrote. That's my favorite book that really really uh, addresses this idea of resistance and uh, and how to overcome. It. And and uh, I think it's also just a just a fun read as well. So awesome. Well, I don't know that we have any other announcements or any other business, so thanks for coming, John. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We'll uh, wrap up the show, and we'll catch you all next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, We'll augment your team and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more. 
Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests.